The next patient presented by Dr. Harwin was an older woman who presented in the pre-adjuvant trastuzumab era with a HER2-positive ERPR-negative tumor with three positive nodes. This is an 84-year-old woman who underwent a lumpectomy and axillary dissection in 2001. She had actually a small half-centimeter infiltrating ductal carcinoma. It was HER2 new 3 plus and both estrogen and progesterone receptor negative. She moved to Georgia and was treated with adjuvant chemotherapy in Georgia, where her daughter lived, with two cycles of adromycin cytoxan. And due to toxicity considerations, she then was treated with cytoxan, methotrexate, and 5-FU, and then had post-lumpectomy radiation. So it's interesting, though. She was treated when she was 77 years old. Correct. I wasn't involved in that part. She then reoccurred in the breast in September 2004 and had the same phenotype, infiltrating ductal carcinoma, fish positive for her two new ERPR negative. And at this point, she refused mastectomy, and just basically nothing was done. And she progressed really with an inflammatory-looking breast cancer. Now, you were taking care of her at that point? Some of the time. We just could not convince her to have her breast removed. What was her concern You know, she's an elderly woman. I think Mark got a sense of her today. She just wasn't that easy to get to do things. And she just, if she didn't feel bad, she really didn't want to do anything. And the breast wasn't hurting her. And she just really wanted to not do anything. What's her home situation? Does she have a spouse? She has a significant other. Her husband has passed away. Her sister just passed away, I understand, too. Yeah. Like very recently. Do you think the concern about having a mastectomy with this recurrence was cosmetic or having to go through surgery or what? She wasn't rational about it. She didn't really give a good explanation. We just tried to convince her several times. You know, she didn't always come in for all her appointments either. So then the disease progressed. Disease progressed, and then she agreed to a mastectomy. She had the mastectomy. By the time I saw her back in the office, it actually was a few months later, and the first time I saw her after the mastectomy, she already had recurrent disease on the chest wall. What did it specifically look like? How big of a lesion was it? Was it ulcerated? It wasn't ulcerated. It was just sort of barely palpable, plaque-like erythematous, a very typical recurrent breast cancer. Her surgeon actually punched biopsied and confirmed it again, the same type of breast cancer. So extent of disease? No disease anywhere else except the chest wall. And had she had radiation therapy? She had post-lumpectomy radiation. And so at that point, I put her on her septin. It got better, but didn't go completely away. And since that was her only site of disease, I sent her for radiation, and she had chest wall radiation using electron beam type technique. And then her disease has been gone, and she's basically just maintained on every three week her septin for just about two years. So, what's going on with her right now? She feels fine, as she pointed out. She has no symptoms, but she developed a palpable. I'd guesstimate about three centimeter left axillary lymph node that's freely movable, firm and hard, and feels like carcinoma. Nothing palpable in the left breast and nothing on breast imaging. Now, has that been biopsied or needled? We decided today with Mark's encouragement, and she was agreeable. So actually, while Mark was in the room, I called up her surgeon. He's going to schedule her for a punch biopsy, and we're going to try to send it for a breast cancer profile. Mark, can you describe what you felt when you examined her? Yeah, I also felt in the anterior left axilla a mobile but very firm and highly suspicious, I would say, malignant lymph node. There's little doubt in my mind that it's a malignant process. But in this age range, in my experience, I think it is important to re-biopsy. She could easily have a contralateral primary with a different profile, for example, in which case you know, maybe we would discover it by MRI, even though it might not be visible mammographically. Moreover, she could have a different primary altogether in this age range, You know, I've seen patients with 
three or four different primary neoplasms coming back to the clinic. And so I think you need to be suspicious and get data so you know exactly what you're treating. Now, what about her workup? She had a PET scan that showed uptake in the left axilla and something in the lumbar spine of uncertainty algae. On CT scan, she had extensive degenerative changes. So this appears to be the only known site of disease. Did she have a bone scan? No, she did not have a bone scan. Do you not do bone scans in this kind of situation? If I'm doing PET scans, I'm usually not doing bone scans. Mark, what about imaging in this situation, PET scans, bone scans? How would you approach it? Well, for bone metastasis, PET scans are less sensitive than bone scans. I don't think that there's a lot of suspicion that she has bone metastasis at this point. I guess there was a little bit of increased uptake on the PET at L5, but she doesn't report a lot of pain there that I can recall. And if her alphas isn't going up and she's not having pain and she has a negative PET, and since she's reluctant to do medical procedures at all, I probably wouldn't push the situation in this case. So your thinking is probably this thing at L5 is degenerative disease? Could easily be. So what are you thinking about treatment-wise? I was thinking of lapatinib zolota. It turns out she has no prescription insurance, although she has Medicare and a secondary. So anticipating that this will probably be the same type of breast cancer, though it may not be. The zolota we can provide in the office because it's an oral equivalent of an intravenous 5-FU. Medicare will pay for that. And there is a pretty generous program for Ticurb. It's like four or five times the poverty level. So he looked up, and it looked to me like a lot of retired people don't even have incomes in that range, that they'll pay the full drugs. I think I'll be able to get the Thai curb for her. And it sounds like she's on Social Security alone, so she certainly would fall comfortably within that realm. Our nurses, when she left, were having to fill out some forms. How do you think that she'll do in terms of taking medicine, adherence with the Cape Cytobine and Lepatinib? It's going to be a challenge. I think Mark saw that as well. It's going to be a challenge getting her to comply with as complex a regimen as Tykerbin's load is as far as the way you need to take the pills. This is a kind of 84-year-old who tells the doctor what to do, not the other way around. So she's going to play a big role in her own management, and I think she'll do whatever she feels is best for her. It's funny, I kind of, just looking at both of your faces, I kind of get this feeling of an interesting personality here in the patient. You're correct, you're right. What gave you that feeling? What did she say or do that kind of, I mean, obviously the history about refusing a mastectomy was a little bit of a clue, but what did you see today that made you feel that way, Mark? Well, I mean, she came right out and said, doctor, I really don't feel like I want to take any treatment now. Why don't I just do that? She's questioning whether she should be treated at all? Yeah, she said, you know, a no treatment option would be something that she might consider at this point, and actually that's what she wants to do. She said, quote, I feel fine. Yeah. Wow. So how did she feel about receiving the trastuzumab? She really didn't have any problem with that. I tried to point out to her that she's been on intravenous medications for two years, that this might be a nice option to not be on anything intravenous, and I think that she gave that some thought. Is she taking medication for any other problem, hypertension, et cetera? She doesn't really have any medical problems. She's 84, but she's actually very healthy. She's just a little bit quirky. How does she spend her time? I think she's going she... to weddings this summer, she yeah. says. She's going to two weddings. <laughs> Interesting. How do you think this lady is going to do if she decides to take the treatment? Well, I think, you know, in this age range, I would probably really start and go slowly. I mean, if she has much in the way of adverse events, I would be afraid that she's just going to stop and never try it again. So I'd probably start very low and work my way up rather than the other way around in this particular case. So probably in this sort of situation, I wouldn't give much more than a couple of 500 milligram capecitabine tablets twice a day and probably do at least a 25% dose reduction off the package insert dose for lapatinib even just to make sure she doesn't have diarrhea on the first cycle 
Because if she gets that, then I think she's not going to go back to it. So it's five pills, you'd give four? Yeah, yep. So does she feel this lump in the axilla herself? She said she could now. She didn't before. She has felt it. And she's aware, well, what it likely is. We're going to get a biopsy to prove that. Yeah, I think Mark helped us here today because I'm not sure I would have been able to convince her so easily to do a biopsy, but she was actually open to that, you know, as long as it wasn't anything bad. How big is the lesion? Three centimeters. I told her surgeon that. I thought he could core it. Now, I assume you would not want it removed because it's an indicator lesion. Well, she doesn't want an incision, so that solved that issue. So, I mean, would you want it removed? Or? I wouldn't have any hesitation to remove it if she would allow it, but it was clear that she would not go for that particular procedure, so we compromised on a core needle. It would not be difficult to remove this at no. all. So if you did remove it, how would you follow her? You really would have nothing, well, nothing to follow. At that point, you probably could consider a no-treatment option and just wait for the next recurrence. Well, let me ask this question. Let's say that you've removed it, you have no measurable disease, and you really didn't think you should start Ticurbsalota. Would you go back on the Herceptin? I've sort of put on that it. on hold. I'd put her back just on leave it. her on it. She's done well for two years. Yeah, but I mean, why would you? She's clearly having progression. I think it's debatable. I think I could be convinced either way. Interesting. I mean, in stage four NED, there's nothing wrong with watch and wait. What about tumor markers? Hers have always been normal. So I assume that if you get to the point of actually giving her capecitabine and lapatinib, you'd have to sit down with her in terms of telling her when to contact you, et cetera. Mark, what kind of instruction do you give to patients like that in terms of what to look out for in terms of toxicity from both of the agents? So for the capecitabine, I always warn them about the possibility of diarrhea and hand-foot syndrome. I certainly never give patients refills on chemotherapy scripts ever, so they they have to come back to me between cycles so that I can do an assessment between cycles to make sure there's not any sort of dose-limiting toxicity. For the lapatinib, of course, I advise them also to look out for GI side effects, particularly diarrhea, acne-like rash, some fatigue. Those are the most common things that I tell people to be on the lookout for and to report back to me if they get them severely. What do you actually see clinically in your own practice? Well, I mean, diarrhea is the biggest problem, I think, with this regimen, and probably fatigue. I think the rash is less of a problem, frankly. People who are on the regimen long enough, though, eventually can get hand-foot syndrome. I have seen that be dose-limiting it after long periods of time. So it depends on the situation and how long they've been on the regimens, but GI side effects and fatigue are probably the most common. Does the diarrhea usually respond to symptomatic medication? Yeah, or to dose reduction. What about the rash? What's typical there? Well, this rash is not as bad as EGFR pathway inhibitors in my view, so usually you don't have to do anything. They just warn patients that it can happen so that they're not surprised by it, but usually it's not severe and doesn't usually require any dose modification. If you need to, you could certainly dose modify, but it's unusual with this drug to have to change the dose as a result of rash, at least in my experience. What's your experience been, Bill? I have found the rash not to be a bad problem. I've seen a little nail toxicity right around the nail beds, but as far as the rash, it's 10% of what you might see with Tarsiva. It's not really a limiting problem.